And so we're in Ephesians tonight, starting in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. And so we'll give everyone a second to, to get logged in and to uh, find your place uh, in the scripture. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll go to God's word and just um, getting everything set up. Alright, so yeah, as you, you make your way to the book of Ephesians, and um, I pray that you're having a, a good week, um, that everything is uh, is going well, that if you have any questions, concerns, if you have any prayer requests, uh, just, just let me know uh, in the comment section, and be glad to take those prayer requests to the Lord. Um, I know that um, our church family, we have... Um, uh, Mr. Don Turner, who is uh, has fra fractured his right hip, and um, and so was is having to have some help getting around. So we want to pray for for Don. We want to continue to pray for for Maverick, Josh, and Jen, and Xander, and their whole family. And uh, we also want to uh, continue to pray for Bentley. And so um, so just pray that you guys would uh, join with me in praying for that, and and praying that. Um, and the Lord would just give us understanding tonight. And, uh, and so we'll get to the Lord in prayer. And then we're just going to dig right into uh, the beginning of, of chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians. So let's, let's pray. And then we'll go to the, to the word. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word together. We thank you for a platform such as Facebook that, that allows us to, um, to still come together and to study your word. Lord, we do lift up Don Turner to you. And I just pray that you... Uh, help this uh, hip to, um, Lord, just to, to heal quickly, uh, that you be both with him and uh, Amelia. Uh, Lord, we also lift up Maverick and just pray you continue to help him grow and develop. Um, looking forward to the, the day he gets to come home. And Lord, we pray for Bentley and the procedures he has going on. Just give them wisdom and comfort. Uh, Lord, we pray that as we read your word, your Holy Spirit, give us understanding. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we are in, in Ephesians chapter 3, um, and so if, uh, hopefully you've been able to catch up or stay with the study. Um, if you have, then in chapter 2, the end uh, of chapter 2, um, this past Sunday night, what we looked at uh, was um, that Christ had uh, tore down the dividing wall, wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and so now there, there is one body, one group, and so that's what we looked at. Last week, that's important because Paul picks up in chapter 3 um, by moving to the mystery of the church. And, and so Paul looks back and, and he's kind of looking back and saying, everything I've told you in chapter 2, how uh, Christ through the cross has torn down any dividing walls, walls between the Jews and the Gentile. Now there's only one race, the, the Christian race, so to speak. There's only one body and one people. Uh, and what were two is now one, uh, then Paul begins chapter 3 reflecting on that. And so in chapter 3, Paul says, uh, for this reason, and, and so what he's saying is, for this reason is looking back to chapter 2. Uh, since the, the body of Christ is one, since there are no distinctions or divisions uh, based on race, gender, uh, ethnicity, just there, there's nothing that separates us uh, that comes close to being as big as what brings us together, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Paul says, so since we're all together, since we're now one, 
uh, used to be divided, but now since we are one, um, for this reason, and so he starts chapter 3, um, since we are now all one, then, and this is where Paul begins, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you? And so, so Paul's laying out his um, authority where his authority lies as the minister, the, the preacher, the missionary to the Gentiles. Uh, remember, Jesus Christ had called him to this on the road to Damascus and then in the next few days as, as he's blind or has, has his eyes covered. Uh, and, and the Lord told him all that he would suffer for his sake, uh, that he would go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, remember, Paul was a persecutor of the church, and so the Lord Jesus says you persecuted the church, and in your life you're going to face persecution because of the church. Um, verse verse 2 of, of chapter 3, um, we'll, we'll just kind of complete that and just reiterate um, about the administration of God's grace that he's given to me for you. Now, verse 3 is where we start talking a little about the church and this, this mystery of, of the church. Verse 3 says, um, the mystery was made known to me by revelation. And, and so, revelation is where God has revealed something to Paul. Um, it, it's not based on the word of man or the teaching of man. And, and so, the apostle Paul is saying, uh, the mystery of the church the mystery of the body of Christ uh, was revealed to him. And, and so this is what God revealed to him. Uh, he says, I've briefly um, written above, verse 4, by reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And so what, what Paul's saying is that through what he's writing in chapter 3, then we're going to begin to understand the mystery of this thing called the church, in Christ Jesus. And so Paul's going to begin laying out. Uh, since we are one. Since we're no longer Jews and Gentiles. But Christians. That this mystery of the church. Because the Old Testament. We don't see the prophets. Uh, telling us. Or, or revealing to the children of Israel. Um, the church. Now we've always known. Because all the way back at the Abrahamic covenant. That, that God's plan was through, through Israel to bless all nations. Uh, that there would be one who would come and save all, all people, not just, uh, or, or people from all places. How about that? Um, so that's not the mystery here. The mystery is not that Jews and Gentiles are both being saved because the, the entire Old Testament is pointing us to that, pointing us to Christ and, and even in Abraham that all nations will be blessed through Abraham's descendants. So the mystery that's being talked about here is the mystery of the church. When we look at the Old Testament and we read the prophets, we don't really see uh, the prophets, and it's because God had not revealed it to them. Um, the prophets are talking mostly, of course, to the nation of Israel. Uh, but even the prophets knew uh, about God's plan to expand the kingdom beyond Israel at some point. So that's, again, that's not the mystery. Paul's saying that, that this concept of the church um, that Christ came and ushered in, and then as God revealed through the apostles, through the disciples, um, the church would pop up, and this would be a new thing. This is a mystery, and Paul says this mystery of the church is being revealed to me 
Uh, and so now we might be able to understand this mysterious thing called the church. Now remember, uh, Ephesus is, is written um, fairly early. Um, and, and so this is really before the concept of, of a church building uh, had come together, come to being. And so Paul is saying, I'm going to uh, I'm going to share with you what God revealed to me. And that is the mystery of his church, the mystery of this one body. And, and so even though we knew from the Old Testament writing that all nations would be blessed through through God, through Abraham's descendants, uh, under the Davidic covenant and no way it come all those covenants. We see all throughout the Old Testament that God's going to expand his kingdom to people from everywhere, every tribe, tongue, and language. But what we don't really see in the Old Testament is a picture of the concept of the church. And so Paul is saying, this is a mystery. This is something God's revealed to me that I'm going to share with you. And, uh, and so in verse 4, he tells us that by reading this, we, we will come to understand what the church is supposed to be and what the church is. Um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, again verse 5. Uh, this was not made known to people in other generations. And it is now revealed to his holy apostles. And prophets by the spirit. And so again. Um, I've already kind of touched on it. But what the apostle Paul is writing is. The concept of the church. Had not been revealed by the Old Testament prophets. Uh, by those who had come before. By previous generations. But now. Through the disciples, the apostles, uh, through, through those who are leading the Christian movement. Now the church is being revealed uh, really for the first time. And so it's kind of hard to imagine as people who have either grown up in the church or maybe been in the church for a long time and maybe haven't been a part of the church. For those of us that, that uh, we have, we kind of almost get this sense that... Um, Things have always been this way. Like God's people have always gathered together to worship and praise. And, uh, and it is true that the Jews on the Sabbath, uh, of course, um, not only the Sabbath, but went to the, the sanctuary, went to the, the tabernacle, went to the temple, uh, according to where they lived, to the synagogue, and worshiped God as a community. So uh, we, do sen we have kind of that similarity of the, what the Jewish people in the first century and previous to that would have come together as a body of Christ. and Not Christ, but, but as the chosen people of God. And would have learned the scriptures and, and discussed the scriptures together. Uh, but there was no concept of what we would call the church today. Where people from uh, every background and uh, from all walks of life would come together. And worship the one true God through Jesus Christ the Son. And so Paul's just saying to us, what you're about to read and what, I, what I've written here is so that you might be able to better understand the concept of what the church is. And so we're in Ephesians 3, uh, verse 6. It says, the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And, and so here's what Paul's saying. And that, that those Jewish believers, the, those who followed Christ and those who came um, after the resurrection to know Christ through the preaching of the apostles and the gospel message. Uh, Paul says uh, those Jewish people and the Gentiles now that are co-heirs with, with the Jewish church, the, the Jewish Christian believers, now they've been made one. And, and the only way that's possible is through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And, and so what, what Paul essentially is saying is that you become one. Uh, all the divisions are broken down, torn apart, separated so that we can come together as one people. And all that takes place through the gospel. And so the gospel is good news about reconciliation between man and God. Uh, this is what Christ came and bore our sins and bore our sorrows so that we might have our relationship with God restored. And, and so that's one aspect of, of what took place in reconciliation of the gospel. The second is the gospel now makes it possible for reconciliation uh, be between men uh, or mankind. And, and so before there was really nothing that could have brought the, the Jewish, the Romans, the Greeks, um, you know, all these groups together. But now the gospel has the power to not only save those men and make them in right relationship with God, but also uh, to save those men and to, to bring them together in one body where they will come and worship and, and serve one another together. And uh, this is earth shattering. There's, there hasn't been anything that has brought uh, the people of this world together like the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's the gospel that bridges gaps between people. And, and so we look at, we look and uh, those that we have struggles with in, in our relationships, listen, the gospel has the power to restore all relationships, uh, whether they're marital relationships or, or relationships with coworkers, your relationship with God, uh, relationship to others within the church, all those relationships can be restored and renewed and reconciled, um, taken to a deeper, more intimate level. We can love others. We can love um, those that, that even don't love us back. And how can we do all those things? Only by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's only the gospel that has the power to save and only the gospel that reconciles us both to God and to man. And, and so this is... Uh, Listen, if, you, if you're struggling with, uh, with people, if you're struggling with an individual, you're struggling with others, then what I want to encourage you to do is the gospel has the power to reconcile all relationships, whether we're talking about my spiritual relationship with God and how sin has completely destroyed that relationship. And now through Jesus Christ and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then I am reconciled to God. But not only God, I can be reconciled to, to, to fellow men. Uh, to fellow mankind. And so if, if we really want to have relationships where they need to be, especially within the church. Remember, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and, uh, and really emphasizing this point that no matter your background, where you're from, that we become one in the body of Christ. Through, so through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we become one with one another and then we've been called to love one another, to serve one another, and, and to humble ourselves before one another. And the only way that's possible is through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel saves and the gospel restores. And so Paul is saying, listen, you, whether you be Gentiles or Jews, are now one body, one group, Christians. And I'm going to share with you the mystery of the church that now you make up. And, and so the church is made up of people from all places, from all backgrounds, from all corners of the world, uh, who speak all types of languages, and yet we are all one body. And the only way that's possible is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This is what binds us together is the gospel. And so if we're not, if we're not active, actively living out and seeking these gospel relationships with people and how that we might love one another, um, then um, boy, we're really going to miss out on what it means to become one in Christ. And, and that would be a shame because Jesus Christ died not only so we could have right relationship with the Father, but he died so that we could have right relationship with others. And so it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that both makes us one body of believers, one body the church, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that helps us to reconcile individual relationships with others. And so essentially, if God loved me enough to, to look past my faults, if, if, God loved me, if Christ loved me enough to die for me when I was so unworthy, when I was an enemy of the cross, then how do we have the right to hold out forgiveness and love to other people? Uh, and so Paul's saying to the church at Ephesus, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can truly become one. And so this is essential for the church to really be the church, uh, is that we become one, we become unified, and what unifies us is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, Paul continues to talk about how God's called him to minister to the church, to minister to the Gentiles, or to be this great missionary that would go throughout uh, the Roman Empire and preach the gospel. And he says in verse 7, I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. And, and so the Apostle Paul just lays out again uh, that it's the gospel that brings us together. It is the gospel that reconciles things. But according to Paul, it is this very same gospel that has now uh, made him a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, is part of the persecution that he faces. Now he counts the per persecution he faces for the gospel as something that ought to bring us joy. That does bring him joy and it glorifies God. Um, and so Paul's not complaining here of course. But Paul's saying the same gospel that saved you. And the same gospel that made you one people, one body. Uh, is the same gospel that I've become a servant to. And uh, what an example for us is that, that everything in our life ought to fall under the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus and what Jesus can do uh, not only for us with God, but can do for us with others all through the, uh, the power of the cross, the empty tomb, uh, and the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse, verse 8 um, Paul shifts a little. Paul says, this grace was given to me, uh, the least of the saints. And, of course, he's talking about himself. Uh, really, when you look at those who were converted to, uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ by the Lord Jesus appearing to them, then Paul falls at the very end. Paul is the last um, writer of Scripture, the, the last apostle to uh, have an experience with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Paul makes it very clear by the wording that he uses throughout his letters, uh, as well as uh, what Luke writes about in, in Acts, uh, and, and Paul having the experience on Damascus Road, that, that Paul literally felt like he had 
um, come into contact or has experienced the, the physical resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul didn't look at the resurrection as something kind of mystical or something just spiritual. Paul looked at the resurrection of Christ as a literal physical resurrection of Christ. And there's nowhere when you read his writing that Paul really seems to shift away from that. And everything Paul writes and says, um, he literally experienced the physical Jesus. And, uh, and so um, Luke gives a, an account of that that can, can somewhat seem a little bit um, vague in that Luke doesn't come out and say that he saw the physical body of Christ. But in Paul's own writings, he talks about being one who did experience uh, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And so if this is what makes you an apostle, is that the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, appeared to them. Uh, then Paul looks and, and, and so he, you can actually go to like 1 Corinthians 15, uh, where Paul gives a list. But ultimately, there were the ladies who came to the tomb on Easter morning that the Lord rebuilt himself to. So those ladies did see the, the physical resurrected Christ. Then the disciples, right, uh, saw the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And so now the disciples have become the apostles of Christ, where, where Christ has rebuilt himself to them, uh, resurrected. Uh, there were two disciples on the road to Emmaus who Christ revealed himself to. There were 500 uh, people uh, before the ascension that the Lord Jesus Christ revealed himself to in physical bodies. And then, then his brother James uh, sees the resurrected Lord Jesus and becomes the, he's an, an unbeliever before the, resu uh, before the crucifixion. He becomes a believer after seeing the resurrected Christ and having a personal experience. And he becomes the head of the church in Jerusalem. And so Paul says, uh, I am the least of these. Uh, two things Paul's probably talking about. One is uh, that Paul persecuted the church and he's probably one of the least worthy to be used or called to gospel ministry. Um, I think all of us who have been called and all of us have been called probably look at ourselves and the calling God's given us in light of who Christ is and we all seem we feel somewhat unworthy uh, and we should and yet God in his grace and mercy uh, this is the way God's chosen to reach the world uh, and this is the mystery that Paul's talking about of the church um, and the other is Paul's the last to see him so this appearance to to Paul is uh, somewhere probably between two and three years after the crucifixion and the resurrection when he sees, uh, when, when the Lord reveals himself to Paul on the road uh, to Damascus. Um, but Paul considers this uh, grace that he's been able or been called to preach the gospel since he's the least of the saints and that he's been called, according to verse 8, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. And so here's the deal. You cannot calculate. You can't put a number on. You can't express in words. There's no way I can, I can really describe the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to each of us as individuals because it's innumerable, incalculable, immeasurable. Um, this is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to us. And Paul's already talked about this in Ephesians 1 and in 2 is the immeasurable riches that we have in Christ. And let's be careful. We're not talking about physical riches. Uh, it doesn't exclude God blessing people. 
here on, in this earth at this time where people, God may bless people with an awesome amount of earthly riches, but what Paul's talking about is the immeasurable riches we have in the grace of God. Now we're, we have a relationship with God, eternity to spend with him, and, and boy, the, the, the presence of God living within us through the Holy Spirit, these are incalculable riches. We just can't calculate how much we've been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't put a number on that. And, and Paul's just saying to be called um, to, to be a minister of the gospel of the, to the Gentiles, it is, um, that's gracious. God is gracious in allowing me to do that. Whatever God's called you to do, know that God is gracious in the fact that his desire and his design is to use you and me, the church, um, to take the gospel, to spread the good news of Jesus outside the walls of our church. And, uh, and so we're living in a time right now where uh, until things eventually uh, get back to, um, yeah, please ask a question if you, uh, if you have a question in the comment section. Um, we live in a time where uh, right now with the virus that we really aren't able to, to, to visit one another. To, um, uh, but boy, th this is a time where we have to look as the church and say, how, how should we be the church in this time? And so that's a difficult question to answer. But how can we serve other people and how can we demonstrate the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to others? And this is, this is the truth of, of Ephesians 3. The truth of Ephesians 3 is, although it may be a mystery to us, God's plan is to use the church to build his kingdom here on earth. God's plan is that he ordained the church to be his hands and his feet to the world around us. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to equip us to do that work. All right, so uh, let's... I'm just checking your comments to see if there's anything I need to address uh, from Ephesians um, 3 as we walk through it. Um, verse 9 is, is where we pick up, and in verse 9, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, so uh, we can't measure the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Now, here, here's the mystery, right? The mystery is the church. When Paul's writing in Ephesians and in, and in Ephesians 2, where, and, I, and I can't get away from this because it's, it's vital to understanding chapter 3, but in Ephesians 2, when he says that there's no longer Jews and Gentiles, but that the Jews and Gentiles have become one and there's nothing to separate them anymore because the cross of Christ and the empty tomb and resurrection the ascension and the return of christ all those things have tore down any walls that might separate us from one another and so now since all walls have been destroyed and this world is is constantly trying to put walls up to separate us and it doesn't mean that there aren't real issues that need to be addressed uh, of differences that we have and it doesn't mean we don't recognize our differences but rather we embrace our differences and see the beauty in the fact that God's made us all differently and that when we come together to to worship God we ought to reflect God's creation we ought to look like our communities uh, when we walked into the church building we ought to be a representative group of what our communities and how our communities are made up and um, Paul saying 
since all this is true, and I've been called to minister to, to this new group of people that's made up of both Jews and Gentiles, and, and this is in Christ Jesus, this is the mystery that Paul's talking about in, in verse 9 uh, when he says, again, uh, to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. The mystery is the church. Like, all, again, all throughout the Old Testament, you, you never see the prophets talking about the church because this had been kept hidden by God. This was something God was going to reveal in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, when Christ come and paid the price that we might be reconciled to God, all of us, regardless of whether we were Jews or Gentiles. And so Paul says, I'm revealing this mystery to you that's been given to me, a revelation, so that you can understand this mystery that God's kept hidden from generations past. And so we are living evidence of what God has done. This, uh, some talk about, uh, uh, some scriptures, according to translation, you use will talk about the dispensation of the church, the age of the church. Um, and that dispensation and age of the church had been hidden from prior generations. And so we are, in essence, what, what the Lord Jesus Christ came uh, and died on our behalf so we could become one people, and then we could become his body uh, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is a mystery. This is something that's never been revealed. This is a, a new concept. This is something that uh, the Jewish people did not see coming. Uh, of course, God knew it all along, but God had kept it hidden so that in and through Christ Jesus, it could be fulfilled, it could come to pass. And so what is the mystery in Ephesians 3 verse 9? The mystery is the church. And see, in that he talks about God creating all things. And then in verse 10, he says, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. And so, so why did God rebuild this mystery? Why is, why is this thing something God ordained? What's the church focus? What's the church's ministry? What's the church's calling, purpose, mission? Is that we might take the gospel message to everyone, everywhere. This is God's design for the church. Is that we are going to be the body of Christ that takes the message of Christ into a world that's lost and dying and, and truly coming more and more undone every day. And so we have quite a task in front of us, but every single one of us has an important part to play in the church, um, in the ministry area that God's called us so that we might reach the world around us. And this is a mysterious thing, Paul says, um, and that it demonstrates this multifaceted wisdom of God uh, where God designed such a, a plan where he would use people like you and me. He would use his church to reach out to lost people, uh, to be helping hands in times of need, and, and to, be, uh, to, to provide food when people are hungry and drink when people are thirsty, regardless of where they're from, regardless of what language they speak, but to just love others the way Christ has loved us. And the only way that's possible is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the gospel that compels us. It is the gospel that equips us. And it is the gospel that calls us to demonstrate grace and mercy and love to a world that really is lost and hurting. And uh, how do we do that? We do that 
by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit of God, walking in the spirit of God. Um, verse 11 says uh, that this is according to his eternal purpose, accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's the deal. Before the foundation of the world, so in, in Ephesians 1 verse 4, uh, the Lord Jesus, um, through the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, having been revealed to him by God, says that, uh, that we've been chosen by God even before the foundations of the world. And as Paul begins to build this argument in the book of Ephesians, we get to this passage, and here's what he said. God has planned even before he created the world um, in eternity past. God had already planned um, for the church to be the instrument that would take the message of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And, and so God's just not kind of, um, you know, he's not just kind of winging it. He, he, it's not, okay, Christ died, now how, how are we going to get the message out? This is some, the church has been planned by God since before creation. All right, all of us, God knew our names. All of us, uh, God knew our call. And, and all of us, God knew that he was going to put us together and help us to become one in Christ Jesus so that we could reach out to those people who are hurting around us. This is something God had planned beforehand. This is what it means according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus. And so eternal purpose. In eternity past, this is what God wanted to take place. And so this is part of the decreed will of God. God had decreed even before creation that his son Jesus Christ would come, take on the sin of the world, die on the cross, be buried, uh, would be raised again to life, physical life, right? And, uh, and then ascend to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. And one day is returning. And so all those things that God desired to take place through the church are accomplished by Jesus Christ. And so again, we talked about this, the, the last Bible study. When scripture says that Christ declares it's finished, this is part of what's finished. The work that Jesus Christ did on the cross finished all that needed to be done so that this mystery, the church, might be accomplished through his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and his return. In verse 12, it says this, In him we have boldness, and confident access through faith in him. So, so I want you to know this. This is, so, um, this just is perfect agreement like where we have, I know we've all been taught maybe that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can go boldly before the throne of God, not in our righteousness, not in our own self, but we can approach boldly the throne of God through Jesus Christ. All right, Jesus being our high priest, Jesus being our mediator, Jesus being our righteousness. Uh, so he took our sin that we might receive his righteousness. And so through all that he accomplished, when he says it's finished, here's another aspect to what it means. It is finished. It means this. Now, all that needed to be accomplished and done for me to enter with boldness before God has been accomplished in Jesus Christ. And so Christ's death, burial, resurrection now allows me to enter boldly before the throne of God. Verse 12 says it this way. Now we have boldness and confident access. And now God is accessible to us through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now I, I don't need to go through other means to talk to God. I can talk directly 
to my God through Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. And I have the Holy Spirit of God to lead me, convict me, comfort me, guide me in that. And so we have access to God through Jesus Christ and the work he finished at Calvary. And so that ought to be something that excites us. It ought to be something um, that, that gives us peace, that, that gives us joy. And, and so, yeah, um, that ought to excite us a little bit. Uh, Paul then uh, reminds them of, um, of the situation, the circumstances he finds himself in. Uh, Paul is a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the time in which he lived to the Gentile world, which is essentially just the Roman Empire. Um, with with Caesars like Nero, who um, who hate Christians, persecute Christians, martyr Christians, uh, Nero would have parties in his courtyards, and he would um, have Christians um, tied to poles, pour pitch tar over them, and burn them alive to light up the courtyards. And so this this is the same time at which the Apostle Paul um, is a missionary and a minister. Uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And verse 13 says, So then I ask you not to be discouraged um, over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. And so Paul's essentially saying this, that when we live for Christ and we suffer for Christ's sake, that that is working within us. This, uh, as Colossians uh, and, and uh, other places um, demonstrate, that the suffering we face on this side of eternity for Christ is working an eternal weight of glory uh, that we'll one day um, kind of understand and uh, be rewarded for. Uh, and so Paul's saying, listen, uh, don't be discouraged at the persecution I am facing as a gospel, as a minister of the gospel of Christ. Uh, because as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, when I suffer, it brings God glory. And it's working out an eternal weight of glory in us as well. So, so to the Ephesians, he says, um, listen, uh, don't be discouraged. By, by our tribulation. Don't, don't be discouraged by our afflictions um, because they bring God glory and they're working out an eternal weight of glory for us. Yeah, so listen, that's, that's the first 13 verses. I want to give you an opportunity. Definitely, if you have a question, if you'll write in the comments, I'll try to answer it. If it's something that I probably need to take a little time and study, I'll do that and I'll be glad to get back to you personally. Or if you have a question that you would like to ask, that you want answered privately, then feel free to, to like direct message me, um, whatever your question is, and, and I'll get back to you and answer that question. Uh, I, I think just by way of summary, and all the lessons, uh, all the Bible studies we've done on Ephesians are on our Facebook page uh, that you can go back and, and watch. Uh, so now we're, we're about halfway through three. Uh, just a couple reminders. One is that Ephesians is split into two parts. In the first three parts, Paul kind of talks theology and what we believe and the doctrine of what we believe. In the last three chapters, Paul talks more practical, like how do we live it out? How are we supposed to live if this is true? If the first three chapters are true and it's what we're supposed to believe and, and what we should hold on to, 
uh, then how do we live that out? So the last three chapters, much more uh, practical. The first three chapters, much more uh, doctrinal. Um, uh, what we believe and what we should do. And Paul's laying out the case in Ephesians um, to say to us, one, uh, God has chosen before the foundation of the world in Christ Jesus uh, and Jews and Gentiles alike that God has, has called to be his church. Uh, you have become one. Nothing should separate us as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to notice and see our differences, appreciate our differences, and know that what makes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ beautiful is that we reflect the entire world and so uh, Christ did not just die for uh, a select group, but he died for all. Um, and so the church is never more beautiful than it is when it is in all of its diversity. Um, so no, don't, don't allow the things of the world to separate us, hinder the unity we should have as the body of Christ. And, and then he starts chapter 3 by saying, therefore, since we are one body, one group, and he explains to us this mystery that we are been, we've been called the church to be the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and most importantly, we've been called to not only hear the gospel message, but then to share the gospel message so those who are without hope might come to see hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, nobody asked this. Um, I'm not making a fashion statement tonight with my, my nice little hat, um, but uh, until the governor opens up um, some uh, um, barber shops, uh, I have to throw something on my head just to keep my hair down, amen? Um, but um, so, yeah, not making a fashion statement for sure. Um, but um, I told Sonia that, that this hat might be a little precocious. And uh, she said that reminded her of Mary Poppins. Uh, so some song off there. And yeah, just want to give you a chance. If you have a question, type it in the comments. Again, uh, remember this past Sunday morning we did Genesis 3. Uh, so if you have any questions, if you were able to uh, to go back and to watch uh, Genesis 3, you can, any questions about that. Literally, any questions you might have, I would love to uh, get back with you um, and talk to you about it, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the Ephesians, uh, our study there, or uh, Genesis where we were this past Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, just, um, you know, if you want to send me a direct message, that's fine. That's cool. Uh, or you can uh, write in the comment section, and, uh, and I'll be more than happy to just talk about it for a few minutes here or my take on it. Um, so uh, I appreciate uh, those of you that continue to take time um, to um, to watch it live, and then for all of those who can't watch it live, that that, that catch up before the next uh, Bible study that we do. Ephesians is a beautiful and a wonderful book, um, and, and so again, just the the first three chapters are full of what we believe and why we should believe it and then the last three chapters are okay now that we believe this this is how we ought to live and so um, so i hope you'll see that in ephesians um there's really not much controversial in ephesians um as far as um there's not no teaching that um should really that's divisive uh even amongst our denominations or um you know, whatever our differences may be, 
And uh, one of the great things is that, um, you know, Paul talks about not having divisions, but being one because we've been called to one body and through the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb, we've now been made one. And so um, so definitely the book's not going to um, talk about things or address things that are not essential uh, that sometimes we want to divide ourselves over. And I just, I think the world, it throws enough at us to try to divide us and separate us uh, that we don't need to participate in trying to divide ourselves from one another, right? I mean, the world, uh, man, there's enough going on in the world uh, that, that is trying to discourage and to tear apart families and churches and our values. Um, and so there's enough persecution from the world. We need to stop persecuting each other as the church. And we ought to begin having conversations with people who disagree with us, not, not arguments. And the purpose should not be to win an argument. The purpose should be uh, to be able to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with others. And so we, we're much less concerned with winning arguments with others than we are winning souls to the kingdom and so i don't know how how we um you know how we count something successful but success is not arguing with someone and making better points than them success is caring about others caring enough to have discussions and conversations um in a manner that that brings about relationship rather than destroying the potential relationship we could have uh, with others, e even uh, if we have to um, um, to spend years in discussion with folks, we should not give up on on um, sharing Christ with them, and uh, and that's going to take a personal relationship with others. Again, I'm just uh, you know um, checking any uh, questions you might have or comments you might have. We've just we've just went through Ephesians three verses one through thirteen and. And kind of Paul um, talking about the church and how the church up until the first century was a complete mystery. No one um, saw that coming. Um, yeah, uh, hey Mark. Um, yeah, I enjoy Paul's writings uh, as well. I think he does a great job of um, laying out what, what we should believe and why we should believe it and um Paul uses a lot of creeds in his writing, and uh, that might be like us using a uh, uh, the doxology or a, a psalm. Um, but just he, he has a creed in almost every book he writes, and those creeds uh, really come from the first century church in Jerusalem. So it's what the disciples were teaching, even at Pentecost. And Paul uses those creeds in a lot of his writing. And so we get a lot of doctrine that literally uh, what, what Paul is writing and teaching is older than even Paul's letters. They go back to literally days after the, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and what the apostles were teaching in Jerusalem. Um, and so, yeah, Paul does a beautiful job of um, laying out doctrine and what we should believe and then practical um, information like how we live it out and what it looks like uh, in our lives daily. So yeah, Mark, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, you know, if you're going to read and study the New Testament, you better, uh, you better like Paul. 
because uh, he contributed so much. And of course, the Holy Spirit inspiring him uh, to write what he did. So, um, yeah, so, so uh, next Sunday night, or this coming Sunday night, we will um, we'll jump back in Ephesians 3, uh, starting at verse 14, and kind of just finish up Ephesians 3, uh, so that we'll be kind of finishing the first three chapters, again, that, that's very doctrinally driven, uh, and then we'll move to 4, 5, and 6, which is much more practical, how do we, how do we live this out in our lives? Um, yeah, since you know, since I'm here, I just um, uh, mo- a lot of us in the area got to um, uh, kind of do a uh, live um, webcast or, or almost like a Zoom meeting with uh, the governor today, and, and the topic was on uh, churches and and how do we begin preparing for uh, you know opening our doors and what's the right way to do that, and so um, was it was a lot of really good information. And so I just uh, hang in there, encourage you all just, um, you know, if you're unable to be in church right now, and uh, in most of our churches, it, it is, um, it's tough to, to just invite people to come in to the building, uh, even though, you know, it would be such a rare uh, thing that someone would bring the virus into to our church particularly. Um, but it, it's just, there's no way that, uh, that we can take a risk of uh, just bringing everybody into the church and loving and hugging and shaking hands because that's what we do. It's what we like to do. It's it, it, especially in the area in which we live, we're we're very um, you know compassionate and loving people, and um, and so you know um, we just can't take a risk of someone who who could get this um, disease and and it could be you know um, very bad for them and so um so you know continue to pray for our churches uh pray for pastors man i know it's uh you know you come in on sunday morning and you're basically preaching to a to a camera and um that's that's tough uh and then i I know that as you sit at home uh it's just not the same sitting at home watching it on uh facebook live or youtube uh, live or whatever you may watch it on but i just encourage you uh, find ways to engage your family. So whether you all come together, the kids and 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 you, you know, you and your spouse, and um, maybe you gather together a few minutes early and and read a few psalms, or maybe gather together and even sing a song, um, and then and then watch a service together. So uh, take that opportunity uh, that we do have to um, to use it in a, in a you know constructive way, something that's going to um, be beneficial. And uh, so this is, uh, you know, quite honestly, the, these last two months, uh, it's the most time I've spent with my family, uh, probably ever. And uh, and so, um, you know, I'm praying this coronavirus will will die out, will will stop uh, spreading. But um, you know, use the time that you have available to make the most of it. And so, I encourage you, love your family. Uh, engage one another in, in gospel conversations. Um, yeah, any last comments or questions concerning Ephesians 3? Uh, we'd love to take a minute and talk to you about that. Uh, if you don't have any questions about it, if you haven't uh, watched the entire uh, study, if you've missed the previous Bible studies, go to our, go to our Facebook page because they're all there. 
uh, and just go and find Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and, uh, and, and catch up, um, you know, do that through the week, and, uh, and then next, next Sunday night and next Wednesday night as we move uh, from chapter 3 to chapter 4, um, then uh, just um, you'll be ready, we'll all be called up, uh, encourage you, read through these verses uh, daily. Uh, if you're taking part in the Bible study, um, so that you've already thought through them, and, and you maybe even have some comments and questions that, that you would like to ask uh, during our time together. And so really encourage you to do that. Um, but again, uh, we're praying for everyone, and we, uh, we covet the prayers of everyone as well. And so um, I pray that you have a safe end of the week. We pray that... Uh, that the rain that we get this uh, this evening and, and through the night would just be uh, be some nice rain with calm weather, um, but um, and we do pray that there won't be storms that cause any damage or, or anything to you tonight. So uh, so I'm going to close us in prayer, and then uh, again I just pray that God would bless you, encourage you, go back, read through the first three chapters of Ephesians and. Um, and we'll be ready when we come back together Sunday night. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to just open your word, read it, see what truths are they. We thank you for the mystery of the church and how you had hidden the idea of the church from generations past. And, and then in the first century, when the appointed time came together for such a time as this, then you revealed through the apostles and through Paul your plan of reaching the world through the church, through the body of Christ. And so help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around us. Uh, Lord, we pray for health in this uh, time, uh, Lord, with uh, this uh, coronavirus and the spread of it. Uh, just continue to keep our um, those in our state, our community, um, Lord, throughout our country and around the world. Uh, we, we just pray, Lord, that we'll see the numbers begin to drop uh, uh, so much that we'll be able to open things back up and uh, get back to uh, some semblance of life uh, and normality. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that you've given to seal us unto our salvation as well as to comfort us and to convict us. Lord, to have the power to walk the Christian life. And we thank you, Jesus, so much that you would die on our behalf, that you would give us your righteousness in place for our sins and then you would take the wrath um, of God for our sins in your body and uh, and dear God we thank you for loving us enough that you would send your only begotten son that we might be reconciled unto you so Lord as we go throughout this week and until the next appointed time keep us safe draw us closer to you and draw us closer to one another in Christ's name we pray amen